Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to see you here. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians if you want to take your Bible out and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, maybe you can grab the one there on the, uh, in the pew rack in front of you and open it up to Ephesians. Uh, if, and if you don't have a Bible at all, you're welcome to take that Bible home and as a gift, it's yours. We want everyone to have a Bible. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll bounce around to some other spots as well today. We are continuing in our series called The Family of God, and I just am overjoyed every week I get to come on Sunday morning and spend this time with you, and I, I pray that, that uh, you feel the same way, maybe not about me, but one another, right? And, uh, and we get to be the family, and, and I, I just, I, I want us to continually remember <clears throat> that families are messy, right? And we struggle sometimes, we struggle, struggle to be uh, what we ought to be or who we ought to be to, to each other, and uh, maybe we're a little more mean sometimes than we should be, or we're too nice at times, right? Uh, maybe we're not as tolerant at times, or we're too tolerant at times. Uh, but, but as messy as it is, there's a beauty within the family of God that, that should be embraced, and it should be something that draws us together, and that, that beauty is the unity we share and the hope we share uh, in Christ. And so today we're going to be looking at that more in depth. As we started this series called The Family of God, uh, we began in Ephesians 4 and uh, looked at verse 1, and, and one, actually 1 through uh, 6 is where we're going to end up today. But we looked at the, first the character of the family of God. What, is, what, is the, what are the, the marks in character that should be on us as the family of God? And, and it was a difficult sermon, wasn't it? If you were here, I'm going to remind us every week of it. Uh, the, the marks and the characters that we should be exhibiting towards one another are first, humility. Humility, right? That I, I'm not all that I think I am. And that I humble myself and, and find that I'm not worthy of God's grace or his mercy or, or God's favor on me at all, that I'm unworthy. But, but Christ still loved me and sent his son for me. And so I have confidence in Christ, not myself. And I, I let the confidence that I have in Christ be what, what picks me up and moves me towards you. And that would you move towards me. So it's humility. And then it goes into gentleness. Right? We're, we're gentle with one another. We're meek with one another. We're not insisting on our own way or that we're right, but we, we bear with one another in gentleness. And we're patient with one another. Remember the, what that word means, that patient word? Suffering long. Right? Sometimes we suffer a long time for one another. It's important to do. And finally, that we, we do it in love. A love that says you're, you're valuable and you're important and that I'm going to, to bear with you as, as, as much as it takes. I'm not going to just get sick of you and say, I'm, I'm done, I don't love you anymore. right? So the character of the family of God is important. And I, I love how Paul starts that in Ephesians 4 because it, it, without a starting there, we really don't have a very good uh, launch board, a springboard into, into the unity that we share. And we saw last week that it's actually that character that really promotes unity. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, that if, if I'm humble and gentle and patient and loving towards you, doesn't that promote unity between us? Instead of the opposite, if I'm, if I'm proud or I'm, harsh, right, and I'm, I'm, I'm intolerant, and like I, I'm quick to, uh, to judge, and I, and I'm, and I don't s- uh, sacrifice for you. Yeah, that doesn't really promote unity. I mean, we see that in relationships all around us. So we start off with a character, and then last week we saw the unity we shared, and that the unity we shared then uh, after those that characteristics comes in the form of some conviction regarding who Christ is and what he's done for us. We're going to see that more today. It also comes that unity comes supernaturally by divine power through God's Holy Spirit. And then we saw that it was for the glory of God. 
right? Because it's not about my pride and what I can accomplish or your pride and what you can accomplish. It's about what God is accomplishing, accomplishing in us and through us, amen? And that's so important for us to understand. I, I, I've said this several times now in the last couple weeks. What is achieved within the body of Christ, within the family of God, by God's supernatural design, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can be found nowhere else on planet Earth. Tougher that to sink in sometimes, though, because we look around and say, I don't know if I'm experiencing that. You may not be. You may be treating the family of God like one of your extracurricular hobbies that you have. You may be treating the family of God like a, like a list of legalistic things to do and, and, to, and to check off. That is not what this is. What we see happening in relationship of God's people with God at the center of that is supernatural and divine and is seen nowhere else on planet Earth. And it's amazing. It should draw us even more closely together, and we're going to build on that more today. Today, we're going to look at the family of God, and not only we've seen its character and its unity, we're going to look at its focus. That's the title of the message today. We're going to look at the focus of the family of God. So we kind of answered the how in the character. How do we react and relate to one another? Uh, in, uh, in its unity, we looked at the what we're united in and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to look at more of the who and the why aspect of it, okay? So as we continue, we should see and be encouraged, again, that there is nothing like the family of God. The question is whether or not you and I are embracing the family of God in that priority, life-changing priority. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get into Ephesians chapter 4. Father, as we have come today, we come as the family of God. We're coming to partake in the Lord's Supper and remember your great sacrifice that you have made for us. God, we're remembering not only your sacrifice, but we're also participating in the public profession of, of faith through baptism. And God, what a special celebration that is for us. God, as we come together, we get to look to your word and we get to sing songs to you. And, and God, those songs are not just words that someone wrote down. They are, they are the truth from the word of God that speaks to our lives and speaks and sings to one another. We ask that you would preach to our heart from them. And God, we're called to come and pray together. God, as Alistair has mentioned earlier, God, we have a, a harvest festival coming up where, where many of our community is, is all in one place at the same time. And God, we're drawing them, we're asking them to come and, and not only come, God, just for a candy or, or fun, but come because we love them and because you love them. We want them to know Jesus Christ. We want them to see light in the middle of darkness. So God, help us this week as we um, prepare for that, God, that it would not just be a fun event. It would be an opportunity for us to love in the name of Jesus. And God, you'd be preparing hearts. God, on what would otherwise be at, at times for, uh, for some a dark day, may we shine light in the darkness with the hope of Jesus Christ, that people would see their need for him and they would see that he is offering his love to them and they'd embrace Christ. We thank you for that. God, we pray for uh, these shoeboxes that we're uh, preparing to pack this week, Lord, as we've written these note cards, these postcards, Lord, that you would be preparing the hearts of every single person to receive it. God, that it would meet exactly who it needs to meet. God, you will not get the address of those postcards wrong and the message that has been written on them. Use them in lives of people to affect heart change, transformation because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, as we've seen the prayer force alert and, and God, the, uh, the, the constant reminder that all around the world are our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted left and right. 
day in and day out. God, I pray, I pray for them. God, we ask that you would be with them and God, make them very aware of your presence wherever they are. God, they don't want to be removed from suffering. They want to endure suffering as good soldiers, good citizens of Jesus Christ. God, in the middle of their suffering, that they would proclaim the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So help them do that wherever they are. God, that we remember them, give them strength and power and courage by your spirit. God, we, we look around the world at what's going on, especially in Israel, Lord, and in Palestine, and God, in the Middle East. God, it's a mess, but you're the one who cleans up messes. So we trust you. God, we trust you with, uh, with the Middle East. We trust you with, with our country. We trust you that you are sovereign over it. And God, that you have reigning and ruling power. And then God, what you are doing, we may not know, but God, we pray that, that light would push against darkness. God, we have, our, we have persecuted brothers and sisters who, who love you in, in Palestine, in Gaza. We have persecuted brothers and sisters in Israel and in Iraq and Iran, God, in Lebanon and all around the Middle East, Lord. And we pray that you would be there. And God, the light that is within that church, the, the local church there, that they would rise up, God, and show and reveal the Messiah, Jesus. That people would come and see him and, and find salvation. God, we, we, none of us are guaranteed any physical salvation on earth. But God, the salvation you offer is a hope for eternal life with you. We pray for that. We pray that you would be present there. We pray that your will would be done. We pray that, God, ultimately, we pray that you would come quickly. God, our desire is to see you coming, gather your bride, and finally rule and reign over all. Until that day comes, we will be faithful. We'll be faithful to pray. God, we'll be faithful to give and to serve. We'll be faithful to proclaim the message of Christ as your body, as your family of God. And God, as your family here in Mount Shasta, sometimes it seems like we, we may not have a great impact, but God, the impact we have, just as the body gathering, as the family of God, as we go out as the family and as we minister to our neighbors and our loved ones and our coworkers and those that, uh, for students at our school, Lord, wherever we are, that you would be using us in mighty ways to proclaim the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teach us now through your word. Open our hearts and minds and we invite the, the spirit to convict us of sin and move us to a place of obedience. God, that you'd overflow worship out of us because we can't help but sing of the wonders of God. We thank you. We offer you praise. All right. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read verses 1 through 6 together and then we'll Break this down into uh, our verses 4 through 6 today. On a side note, say how happy I am to have this Bible. Uh, this is my large. I didn't know where I'd put it, where it was. And, and Matt today showed me and told me, hey, your, your larger pe preaching Bible was in the pulpit the whole time. Oh, I have one here. I don't have to squint anymore. I love it. Bible's great. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. This is God's Word. We look at the, uh, the text today as we go through verses 4 through 6. Uh, again, in our, our title is uh, looking at the family of God and its focus. What, what is the focus or, or where are we rooted? Where, where does the power come from? And that's what we're going to look at today. So number one, and you'll see in your notes if you wanted to follow along, but number one is this. Its focus is number one, one body, one spirit, and one hope. You look at verse four, it says that. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope. It's important for us to, to focus in now on, on where does this strength come from? And I really want you to be analyzing, and I, I don't even know how to quite say this well for you and I. I'm still kind of working through this in my own life day to day. But there is something, again, different about the family of God from every other connection and organization outside of it. And if it's not, there's not, it's not something wrong within the family of God. It's something wrong within me. Because there is power behind it. The focus of the family of God is one body and one spirit. Like that, That's the part that's different from... We, we can have one bodies all over the place, right? I can be part of whatever club I want, and we're one group. But if, if there's not one spirit, it's lacking. But within the body, within, within the family of God, there is one spirit. And with that, there is a hope, one hope. Ephesians chapter 1, it says this in verse 13. In him that is Christ, you, you were sealed. I was sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, right? There's the one spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Isn't that amazing that, that when our heart responded in faith to the gospel presented to us, when we said yes to Jesus and, and we believed the gospel and we repented of our sin and trusted in Christ, we were sealed. Not just like, oh, okay, you're a part of the club now, good job. But the Holy Spirit of God, supernaturally, by divine power, sealed you. It says in verse 14, the Holy Spirit is then the down payment of our inheritance. It means you're going to get what he promised. And what is that? That's eternal life. That's forgiveness of sin and eternal life with him. Well, there's our one hope. In one spirit, we have this one hope. Again, not found in any extracurricular club anywhere on the planet, by the way. Only within the family of God, one body. He is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession, until it comes to the praise of his glory. That's why we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I want to read a passage out of 1 Corinthians 12. Go there in my Bible. This is, I read this last week as well, but I thought it was fitting, and I, didn't, I hadn't put it in originally. So uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, because it talked about uh, baptism later, but what does this look like by the one spirit? It says, we were all baptized by one spirit into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. There's a difference between baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you and I believed and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, we were baptized into the Spirit, into Christ. That the, the Spirit now in, would indwell you and I through faith in Christ. One Spirit. And, and we were brought into one body. In, in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians uh, 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though are many, are one, so also is Christ. So we were brought by the power of the Spirit 
if we are indwelled by the power of the Spirit, by one Spirit, into one body. And that's you and I together here. Turn to Ephesians 2, if you would. Ephesians 2 is just a page back from where you were. In Ephesians 4. You know, it's, what's interesting, if, if we could pick, if you were asked, like, hey, uh, pick a place for God to reside. Like, where would God reside? Where, where should that be? I think maybe some of us would come up with, uh, with oh, man, I'll, I'll make this grand, amazing temple or this, this place of, uh, of worship, right? I'll, I'll, we'll overlay it with gold, suitable for his honor, right? Or maybe it would be in a pure place, like outside of the city and in the mountains where there's fresh air, right? That's, God, this is where we want you to reside. We want you to have the best water, the freshest air possible, right? This is where we're going to have you reside. But I think wherever it is, I think most of us would say it probably wouldn't be like, God, you should reside in me. Like, I, I'm a worthy place for you to live. You know why we probably wouldn't say that? It's because we, can, we look in the mirror every day. We're like, oh, I'm a little dirty. I'm a little unworthy. I'm a little unclean. I don't think, I don't think God really wants, uh, no, I mean, I'll, I'll come and worship you, God, where you reside, because that needs to be a holy, holy place. But, but in me, no, that wouldn't be where I decide. But again, he, he's doing something supernatural. Not just logical or reasonable to us, but supernatural. In Ephesians 2, look what he says in verses 17 through 22. It's God pursuing us. He says, he came. He came and, see, we think, oh, I, I need to go find him. I need to go get him. I'm not there yet. He came to you. He came and he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were what? Far. You were far away. And, and peace to those who are near. Talking about Jews and Gentiles. For through him we both, what is accomplished here? We both have access in one spirit to the Father. We both have access. Equally access. There, there's a unity that's shared. Again, that's the body of Christ, the family of God. There's unity. He goes on, he says, so then, so then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Like, like, you were far away, you weren't near to God, you're not strangers anymore, but you are members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Like, that's huge, that's a huge foundation that we're part of, we're part of the family of God. But, but wait, there's more. Verse 21 says, in him, in him, the, the whole building, this new temple, this organic family of God, the body of Christ, this new temple, this whole building being put together, you and I brought from different places, many into one, grows into the, a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. This is our, our focus. It's the power of the Spirit of God to to draw us, pursue, pursue us, to draw us in to Him, that, that in Him we would have hope and we would be part of one body. I mentioned this last week, how, how special it is when you, when you run into a believer that you've never met in your life, right? You're in an airport or a coffee shop or you're out of town and you, you start talking and something gets brought up and you're like, oh my gosh, instant best friend forever right there, right? Because we have a unity that we share. It's unique across the board, it doesn't matter what country you're in or what state you're in. It's just it's amazing to see the unity we share because of one spirit, one hope, and one body. We're to, grow, we're to grow individually because of that spirit, but we are also to grow by God's power and grace together. 
And, and what's unique about that, it was interesting this morning in Sunday school, our class is going through the book of Acts, and I just wanted to, to share this one little verse. Barnabas, who is the, this, like the, the son of encouragement, he was the encourager. I mean, if you want to support and, and, and just a friend, that was the one to have. And, and he was on his way. He was sent out to meet these believers. And as he went there, it says, when he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God. You know, you and I who are part of one spirit and one hope and one body, we should just exude the grace of God. People should see that. Like, when they come, like, oh, wow, there is something special here. There's something unique here. And that should be happening individually as well. When you and I are out wherever we are, that we have this amazing hope and the Spirit of God lives inside of us and that we are, are showing the grace of God to people. But then as we come together, how much better, how much bigger should that be, that draw that we have to reveal and show the grace of God? What does it mean for us? Well, don't resist what the Spirit of God is doing. He is up to a supernatural work that is way beyond you and I. Praise God for that. If it was up to us, we would make a mess, about, a mess of it every single time, or most every single time. But let's let God be God and let His Spirit guide and be the power and the source that draws us into one body and to have one hope. Number two, what should the church's focus be? Well, we see it next in Ephesians 4, 5. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is talking about the Lord Jesus. In each, each of these kind of builds, you see the first one's about the Holy Spirit. This now talks about the Lord Jesus Christ, and the final one talks about God the Father. Interesting that, that our church the foundation of the body of Christ and the family of God should be on the triune majesty of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it focuses on the Lord. We see this in Romans 10. Paul writes, he says, the scriptures say, everyone who believes on him, this is that one Lord, will not be put to shame, since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. But it's in one Lord. There's, there's not a bunch of places to find this. Wasn't Jesus a bit unique, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yep. Right, what did he say in John 14? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the unique exclusivity of Jesus Christ. So when we have the family of God and we talk about what should the focus of the family of God be? The focus of the family of God is on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one else. No one else can do it. In Acts chapter 4, uh, we see Peter and John arrested for having um, healed a man. And they were arrested because they were talking a lot about this Jesus guy. They were asked about that. And it says in verse 5 and following, it says, The next day, the rulers, the elders, the scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. So it was a big whoop to do. All the big important people were there. And after they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. So they, they brought them in and said, you're going you're to answer for this. This is kind of how the answer should be for us as a family of God. They said, by what power and in what name have you done this? They, they wanted him to say Jesus because they wanted to, to arrest him and throw him into prison and beat him, whatever it was. What'd they say? Jesus. But here's what he said. He says, Peter then was filled with the 
Holy Spirit, because there's one Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit, and said to them in the supernatural way, because it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit, rulers and elders and peoples, if, if we are being examined, examined today uh, on account of a good deed done to a disabled man, and by what means he was healed, then let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. Oh, okay. They wanted him. Oh, it was, it's Jesus. Or we're, part, we're part of this group. No, but, but what do they do? The focus of the family of God and is the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And he preached and said, there's only one Lord. By the power of the one Spirit, there's only one Lord. And we testify to him. His name is Jesus Christ. He says, this Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And he went on to say, their sal- salvation is in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. How powerful is that? It has nothing to do with Peter and John. It's all about the display by the power of the Spirit of the Son of God. There's only one Lord, and it's Jesus Christ. And and they they rejected him. They said he was the stone the, the builders rejected. They dismissed him. They pushed him aside. But the family of God, we are the people who have said, Jesus changes everything. And we look at him and we embrace him. We do not reject him because salvation is found nowhere else, only in Jesus Christ. Going on, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I passed on as most important to you what I also received, that Christ, this is talking about the one Lord, right? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. What is he preaching? He's preaching Christ crucified. He he said that in in Acts, Peter and John said the same thing. This this Jesus whom you crucified, but God, what? Raised from the dead. He's our everything. There's, There's salvation in no one else. Why? Because when he died on the cross, he died and shed blood in a place I deserved to die and shed blood. That when he died on the cross and shed blood, he died in a place that you deserved to die and to shed blood. But he did that willingly for you to lay down his own life, not not because uh, you were awesome or amazing, not because he had done something wrong, but because he loves you. And he wants you to be whole, and he wants you to be healed, and he wants you to be forgiven so you would have life in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it's only in him there is this power he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 15. He says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can someone of you say, There is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Interesting, right? We're proclaiming Christ, his crucifixion and his resurrection, that the power of God is on display because Christ was raised from the dead. Amen? And now what we see happening, and Paul says, Let's go further. Let's take this farther because we're talking about the focus of the church, the family of God, is one Lord, but it's also one faith. And that faith is in the risen Savior. And he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. That if we don't have a supernatural, divine, amazing God who, who by the power of the Spirit draws us to Him, who died on the cross and rose victoriously by the power of God from the grave, 
to conquer Satan, sin, and death once and for all for you and once and, all, once and for all for me. If we don't have that, then there is no one faith. There's billions of faiths. There's billions of objects of our faith. We can put our faith wherever we want because if Christ wasn't raised, it doesn't matter either. But Christ was raised. And so the focus of the family of God is on one Lord, Jesus Christ, and on one faith in Him and the power of His resurrection. Hope can't be found anywhere else. I, I wrote a list of some, just some different kind of groups of people or groups of things that we might do where people feel like we belong, we're part, we, we like these people, we're kind of like-minded. But the supernatural power of God is absent unless it's the family of God first and then they do these things. Here's that list. Academic groups, right? a writing group or an art group of some, some type, maybe an astronomy group, Maybe you're in a sewing group or a cooking group. Maybe you play different sports as groups. Uh, maybe you, you're, you're in the trades, right? You're, you're, you're a carpenter or a plumber or something. You, this is my group of people, right? Maybe it's 4-H, right? Or, or it's an outdoor enthusiastic group. Maybe it's some kind of civic or government group. Maybe it's music or theater. Or maybe it's, it's a, you just serve together with other people. Those are, all, those are all noble things and great ways to spend time. But, but if it's not starting with the power of God and the family of God where there's supernatural change because of one Lord and one faith, then it's empty. It's empty. My hope and my plea is this, and as we look at our own lives, that the family of God that is here today, the family of God as you leave and go out amongst people and as you meet and gather together this week, as the family of God, that, that power is there and it's evident that people would look at us and say, look at God's grace. Look at God's power. I, I can't find that anywhere else. One Lord, one faith. Jude wrote and he said, listen, I, I was eager to write about our common salvation, which is amazing to write about, but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. That we would contend for the faith. Listen, this isn't, if you and I are going out in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and wherever God has placed us, like, oh, I have, I have fun at church. It's a good group of people. It's awesome. If you're treating us, the family of God, like your academic group or your kayaking group, there's a, probably a problem with that. Amen? Like, it's a little bit different. right? But if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things can be added. So, so certainly we can have a kayaking group and an astronomy group, but it, it needs to be centered on the power of God in us so that people see, oh, wow, there's a grace here that is not evident in that group. Why? Because of the one Lord and one faith. And he throws in one, one baptism. You don't just throw it in. It's there. One baptism. So we talked about this earlier with the Spirit of God, that we are baptized by the Holy Spirit upon salvation. We're sealed with Him. where He's indwelling us. But the, one baptism, we get to also experience that a few minutes ago. Right there, there's this, this one amazing expression publicly that, that we're commanded to, to do and to follow Christ in, in His example. And that is, is not to go in there and get your sins forgiven because that's not what that's doing. Right? How many times have we said that the water in there will not clean you? Jesus cleaned you. But what does that do? That shows the world that you have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you that lives, but Christ lives in me. It's Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is the focus of the body of Christ, the family of God. And finally, number three, 
What is the focus of the family of God? It's one God and Father over all. This goes back to kind of thinking about what the way, right? It's not, it's not just a way. The way. The way. Ephesians 4, 6 says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Amazing, right? This, this God that we're talking about, whether you're in the family of God or not, is still above all and in all and through all. And so it's so important for you and I as we come as the family of God to acknowledge that there is one God and one Father of all. And, and, and so we see, we've seen the Spirit, and then we've seen the Son, and now we see God the Father. A couple passages before we, we end here and go and partake in the Lord's Supper. Deuteronomy 6 says this. It says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and your mind in other places, right? Jesus added that. He deserves this. Only He can sustain. Only He can create. Only He can save. He is the one that is the mighty one, and He is worthy to be obeyed. He is the Lord and Father, the God and Father over all. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. This is the sovereign God of the universe and for the family of God, this is our God. This is our God. And He's the one that has sent the Son and indwelled us with the Spirit so that the family of God would be a supernatural body of Christ. Every other little God, little G God, will fail. They are all rivals in comparison and are inferior to God Almighty. And as we talk about being the family of God, what should be apparent, even as we partake in the Lord's Supper here, uh, what, what, what kind of gets a little bit of a hiccup in our, in our belief what gets a hiccup in our faith sometimes are the rivals out there, right? All the gods that are rivaling for our attention. They're little g gods. They're not worth it. They, they don't actually sustain and fulfill. But we, we move towards them in a way and embrace them. And we forget, that, wait, wait, no, God is my only God. I, he's done all the work. See, those other little gods, they, they require a lot out of you. They take a lot of who you are. They, they eat away at your soul. They make you remember how unworthy you are, and then you continue to feel bad and ashamed of how you're not living up and not adding up. And that little G God never really, never really follows through or comes through for you. But there is a God who has come through. Amen? His name is Jesus Christ. And when he gave himself on that cross, he did all the work necessary for you. He did all the work necessary for me that if we would believe in him, we would be forgiven of our sin. We would be saved eternally and have life eternally with him. We would no longer be enemies of God. We would be friends of God. And that's what the Lord's table represents. As the family of God comes together, it's not something this club just gets together and does. It is something the family of God does because there is one spirit, there is one Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself and we honor him as we submit ourselves to one God and Father over all and in all and through all. Every other little g God again is, is in, inferior. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, uh, as, as there are many little g gods and many little l lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, 
All things are from Him, and we exist for Him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through Him, and we exist through Him. Amen? It's all about Him. It's all about Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. There is one God over all. We, the family of God, it's amazing that we, as a family of God, we have peace with God that provides us with real and lasting hope. My final verse of you, turn with me to Romans chapter 5 today. Larry started us off today reading this in the opening. I'm just going to read a little part of it. It's been one of my favorite verses for, for many years, even as I was a, a teenager. When you think about what, what God, this amazing God, one Spirit, one Lord, one God has accomplished for you and I. As we put our faith in Him, Paul writes in, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith in Christ, right, we have peace. We have peace, real peace, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We don't boast in us, do we? We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have hope. There's one hope. And not only that, verse 3, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction will produce endurance and endurance proven character and proven character produces hope. Hope. This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I think that, that sums up right? This, this focus of the family of God. It's it's on one Spirit and on one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and one God of all. And, and, and that gives us a hope beyond measure. Uh, and so as we participate today in the Lord's Supper, we're going to be inviting our children back in here in a moment, and, and they're going to come down, and I, it might be allowed for just a second. We're going to have our worship team come down. If you want, a worship team can come up now, actually, if you would do that. And, and we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. We're going to participate in, a, in, in worship and, and thanksgiving and remembrance of what the Lord has accomplished and done for us here in a few minutes. The question is this, are we treating the focus of our unity like an add-on, like an extracurricular club, like, oh, we went to church today and accomplished it, or are we treating as, as this is the one body and one spirit and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, producing in you and me the one supernatural divine hope that only can be produced from God within the family of God. And if it's, if it's that hope, it should be celebrated then today, shouldn't it? It should be celebrated, and as we partake, it should be remembered. We're have our kids come, come up, and if you, um, if you would, let's, let's go ahead and stand together. <clears throat> For prayer. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much for your, your great love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we, we want to honor you and be thankful to you for all that you have done for us. God, the focus of, of this body, the family of God, it, this is not an extracurricular club. Lord, I, I pray it's not for some. I pray that for all of us it would be this amazing source of, of encouragement and support, this family. God, and, and as, as awkward as we are sometimes, as as inadequate as we, we can be, God, we, we need to rely on you. God, help us to, to embrace 
the power of God, the power of His Spirit, and what Christ has accomplished for us. That, that would well up in us a hope that would be seen by the world around us, Lord, and that there would be nothing like it. And God, today as we come to the Lord's table, as we partake, God, we ask that you would be blessed by that and honored by that. And then, God, it would be a blessing for us and our families as well as we, as we partake, remembering that our focus is on Jesus, on Christ crucified and risen for us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.